You're listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network. Now the largest new media platform on the web and your number one source for after-show entertainment. Very good, The AfterBuzz Studios in Los Angeles, California. Presented by Maria Menounos and streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies. This is AfterBuzz TV's Shark Tank After Show. We'll break down tonight's episode and get you all the latest news and gossip. And now, another post-game wrap-up show for your favorite TV show. It's AfterBuzz TV's Shark Tank After Show. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, Shark and Sharkettes. I am solo here tonight because peep, my co-host couldn't keep up in this Shark Tank. And so, again, I am solo. Your host, Phil Svitek. However, Stephen Lemieux from the booth will be joining every now and then, so I'm not oh, completely solo in tonight's venture. Um, very, very good episode. I enjoyed it. A great deal. Um, let's start with product number one, Schultz's bread pudding. Um, Stephen, what are your thoughts on bread pudding? Love it. Really? Yeah, I, bread pudding's great. I haven't, I haven't really uh, had a chance to eat it too much. I mean, there's so many other foods and things like that that I just like pudding in general. I like uh, frozen yogurt, ice cream, and all that. So bread pudding usually doesn't uh, make my list. Not not uh, not because of more than anything. Just that everything else is my, my my space is already taken is what i'm saying it's a misleading name bread pudding is more of like it's it's i don't know it kind of reminds me of a cobbler but i don't know it's it's really good well the good news is that the sharks agreed they thought um hers was really really good and what was nice is as she's handing out to all the different sharks is that it almost it almost seemed that she matched the flavor to the shark and uh you know, Certainly to Lori, because she was like, ooh, I, I really like this one. Um, and as we've discussed many times, and I have to give a shout-out to Steph C., who will be rejoining us very, very shortly, because her uh, walk is almost complete. Um, she's always said it, you know, when the sharks like your product, you, you know, you're starting off well. Um, now, the interesting part was, uh, you know, she's kind of presented this. She's, she's presented the notion of it, and obviously they like it. But as Kevin O'Leary says, what is the business? So she explains. And by the way, tonight's sharks are Mark Cuban, uh, Kevin O'Leary, Barbara, Lori, and of course, Robert Hershevik is back. Um, uh, which, by the way, I thought a great episode for Robert just in general. Um, but Kevin says, so what is the business? And she, the way she explains it is she used to have a retail space in Venice Beach or in Venice um, at Muscle Beach. Um, and, that, you know, the, the, the square footage was 140 feet. Stephen, can you imagine what 140 feet squared is? Uh, tiny. Yeah, it's not very big at all. Really tiny. However... Despite with that space, she made a hundred and ninety thousand dollars in sales in a year, which is which is you know for for that that's that's huge, that's insane. What's it cost to make though? Um, well, here the interesting part about it was to me, it wasn't necessarily about that. 
um, so much in this sense because uh, Kevin was the one, you know, Kevin was the one kind of prying this because uh, as it's later revealed, she she moved to San Francisco, which has always been her dream. And she's got a bread pudding parlor and she's got 800 square feet of space that she rents out for um, thirty two hundred a month. And she makes about thirty thousand a month in sales. And it's good, but she's not satisfied. And neither is Kevin because um, the way that she's proposing this, or at least she's hinting at, is that this should be a franchise. Um, and the way Kevin explains it is that franchises are, franchises are measured by um, income per foot. And over at Muscle Beach, she was making thirteen hundred, and in San Francisco, she's making four hundred and fifty per foot in sales, which is a significant, significant drop. And she attributes it to foot traffic. And I agree with that. You know, that 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 is a, that could be a huge case. But why move? And that was never fully explained. I mean, Stephen, if you were doing well, why would you move? Grass is always greener. Is that here's the thing? I think I think ultimately, I mean, I'd hate to say this, but she she was a pregnant, which by the way, great joke. Um, and and B, I think um, I think it was always her dream to live in San Francisco. I mean, y- you know, it's many people think it's a beautiful city, and I tend to agree with them. And I think you know that was ultimately her dream was to live in San Francisco. And I don't know if she wanted a full franchise. I think you know, I I think her. More immediate goal is to be more of a mother. Otherwise, this this would have already grown um, more than it already has, you know. And, and and I think I think she's successful in her own right, but not you know not super successful. And I don't think she needs the sharks ultimately in this case. But um, I thought it was very interesting that she invested everything that her father gave her. She invested three hundred thousand um, dollars. That was her heritage from her father. Um, I, I always want to know what the investments, how they're divided into what they kind of go into. Um, so it wasn't really explained there. I mean, in terms of your question, Stephen, what the cost to make it, they never really I'm, – I'm sure perhaps in the actual thing that it was discussed, but they didn't discuss it in the show, so I don't know that answer. But ultimately, um, Kevin's out, Barbara's out, Rob is out. And Mark says, before you do this, uh, you know, you need a partner, um, but it's unfortunately not going to be me. You need, you need to find someone. And then I, th- I thought, you know, uh, in tonight's ep- episode, it was interesting that there was always one shark kind of towards the end that was kind of torn about, especially, you know, in this one and, and, and the later product where they, they were half torn over, okay, should I invest, should I not? And where Lori says, you know... Go where there is no path, um, you know, and, and trail your own way. But she says, however, you haven't gotten far enough, and so it, I'm not ready to invest in you. And I, I thought that was a s- sincere answer. I 100% agree with it. This isn't, you know, it's it's a small little, uh, she says, it. It's you know, her dream was to make a bread pudding parlor, and that's what she's made. And, you know, she doesn't need a partner yet. When she's ready, then perhaps... It'll happen. I don't know with the sharks, but I, I, I always wanted to give that option where they can come at a later date and pitch again. You know, not necessarily for the show, but just in general. Because you know, if if she gets, uh, 
If she's really serious about this, this could be a great business. But unfortunately, right now, that is not the case. And she walks away with no deal. Steven, if I say the name paparazzi proposals, what comes to mind? Paparazzi proposals? That kind of sounds like... And I haven't seen the show, but this is kind of just the way my mind works. It looks like somebody filming a proposal, like if they're going to propose hey. their girlfriend. All right. You are 100% correct. So the name is great. Um, so it's New York paparazzi that, um, that has been doing really well. And then, you know, kind of stumbled onto this idea when, as it's later explained, him and his wife, they got engaged. And people kept asking for photos of, of, you know, or they kept asking, how did this happen? How did this happen? And he thought, well, why isn't there someone to take photos of this? And, you know, I think that in itself is a great idea. Um, obviously not proprietary, as <laughs> Kevin is oh so quick to point out. However, you know, uh, kind of getting into it. I thought the best part of it was Lori's idea that it's basically template-based. Um, Stephen, you have aspirations of marrying a woman before you're 30. Um, how would you propose? Do you have any ideas? I think it really depends on the relationship you have with the person, honestly. Like, oh. you don't – like, I don't see how the paparazzi thing – like, it just doesn't – it's not really that romantic, honestly. Okay, that may not be romantic, but most guys, they can't package together a proposal. I think the greatest asset of paparazzi proposals is the idea that they have these templates and, you know, they help out. Okay, Stephen Lemieux, let's, you know, you want to propose to your girl. Here's here's what we got. Here's what we can create. Here's how we make it happen. And I think that is the amazing part. Um, but... Uh, what I what, what I liked about this one in particular is how uh, how much viciousness it brought out in Mark and Lori. I thought that uh, Tiff was kind of fun to see. Um, he comes in asking for two hundred fifty thousand dollars for twenty percent, which of course Kevin is just outraged by the valuation. He thinks it's way over the top, and um, you know uh, I don't think he's wrong. Um, he's made a hundred. $100,000 in sales over two years, and he's expanding the business, um, you know, by trying to educate jewelers, and the jewelers get a kickback. So, you know, Stephen, you go to get a wedding ring for your girl. They say, hey, would you also like to do paparazzi proposals? And then, you know, there's a certain amount of kickback for that service that they get for the referral, which I think is great. I think that's a great incentive. Um, you know, I know... Mark wasn't the biggest advocate of the idea, but I think Lori's right in the sense that there is incentive for these shops to want to do this. Um, I think it's it's only ultimately only going to drive more customers into their um, stores, which I think is great. Now, his idea is to expand this into Chicago, New York. Um, might as well say Los Angeles, basically every major city, right? Now the problem is, and I, I, I what I like, what I like is that for me, Barbara is very much in the right, saying that you know what, you got to saturate the market before you can move on. So with New York, I mean, New York's one of the the greatest cities in the world, and you haven't really, 
really exploited it in the way that you could. And I agree with her. You know, start there and then and what's nice about that is then word of mouth kind of builds. I mean, um, you know, anytime you kind of get into these businesses, um, it's almost like the movie Hitch where it just which is word of mouth kind of really, really spreads and you you know, that's where some of your biggest potential. So I think by saturating New York, you can really get a lot of bang for your buck. You don't have to really move around too much. Obviously, if you know you expand to Chicago, New York, or uh, Los Angeles, whatever, now you're having to deal with flights. You're having to coordinate people there. Um, it just becomes a hassle. Whereas, at least starting off, if you can control the environment, you're much better off for it. Um, do you know anything, Stephen? Why weddings and funerals are so successful? Uh, what do you mean by successful? Well, I loved Kevin brings up the notion that, you know, he loves weddings and funerals um, because they make a boatload of money. The reason why is because in those situations, people make irrational decisions um, because they're emotional. I mean, that's true. They just honestly, they, they get to that point where they just want they want things done. And as long as, as much as money they have to just shell out to get it done, they'll get it done. Like. As a photographer, I've seen people who will charge $10,000 just to photograph a wedding. And people will pay it because they're just like, oh, okay, that's so much it is. Okay, just do it because they want to deal with other stuff. They don't want to look into it. They don't have to look into comp- competitive prices. They honestly just want it done. So people can price gouge weddings and I guess funerals in a lot of ways because there, there's so many things. There's the catering. There's There's the photography. There's the linen there's flowers like everything there's so many aspects that people have to put together for it that unless you have a wedding planner that can do all that for you you're going to just end up spending too much because you don't want to look into the competitive prices of every person out there that does what you need yeah um you know i i 100 agreed and <laughs> it's funny that kevin kevin because of that statement he's kind of out because he also thinks that as you were saying because it's such an attraction to weddings and, and funerals that kind of in itself it's already a saturated market and so obviously the ideal of paparazzi proposals is not very proprietary um and I, so mean, I don't agree with that because i mean if you're going to if it's just the proposal that he's planning and you're trying to do like a whole big youtube thing like that like where they have the dancers and they have the flash mob kind of stuff and they put that all together for you and you pay them to do that for them like they basic you're basically paying a production company to produce yeah but your it's not wedding. I understand but it's not proprietary what's stopping you and I from doing that Exactly I mean there's nothing stopping us from doing it Okay so then it isn't proprietary <laughs> Steven, tomorrow you open up Steven's propo- Steven's proposals Uh-huh and you're doing this just saying Anyway um I like what kind of Lori says, and she's tough on on him in the sense that you know he's got to really pound the pavement, and a lot of this is going to come on him. Um, she doesn't quite understand why he needs two hundred fifty thousand dollars. That's never one hundred percent explained. Kevin jokes that you should get two hundred fifty for for the two hundred fifty thousand dollars. You should get two hundred fifty percent of equity. Um, and then Kevin has a brilliant notion. I thought he would kind of do a royalty thing or something like that that he's known for doing. And Mark kind of laughs about it, and I was right there with him until I heard the proposal, which I thought was uh, was actually pretty smart. That he's going to get 
$50,000 for one-third of the company, um, and the rest of it will be um, a $200,000 loan. But it's, you know, it's Kevin and Lori with, you know, because he's countering. Lori was initially going to give him 250 for 50% so they could be equal partners in this, um, which I thought in itself, that was a big, big, big uh, offer. You know, I know it lowers his valuation. He was kind of sensitive to that. But, you know, the company wasn't worth that. And I thought, I thought he should have taken it right then and there. But. Um, there was his mistake. So then Kevin restructures the deal. Um, and Kevin, Kevin, what I liked about Kevin is that he joked about, hey, you know what, let me call your wife. I'll, I'll, I'll let her know and things like that. Um, but no. And, you know, again, going back to Steph C, she always, she always has the notion, and I obviously it's proven in this case, that when you go into the Shark Tank, you kind of know who you're pitching to. And, you know, most people kind of want to pitch to Mark, Rob, Lori, whoever. Based on the product, sometimes Damon, and obviously in this case, he he really wanted Lori and Robert, and unfortunately that was happening. Robert did offer up a hundred thousand dollars for a third of the company with a one fifty loan. Obviously not original. He's just kind of structuring um, a much better deal for um, for him based on you know, but obviously using the template that Kevin had. Uh, you know, used. <clears throat> so then, finally, he counters, right? And that was that was uh, Rob giving that advice earlier. You know, you're supposed to counter. His counter is, I like that offer. Would you be willing to partner with Lori? And not only is that a huge insult to Kevin, who just kind of made this whole offer, brought in brought in Lori and things like that. And with that, you you ultimately get two sharks. But it's a huge diss to Robert because you know I think Robert when he when he makes an offer, he's very sincere and genuine, and he wants this product to do well, and he he's willing to get behind it. And if ultimately he loses out, he's okay with that as long as you know it's it's for the right reason or it's if it's a better deal or something like that. And obviously his deal was better because it gives him a higher valuation than what Kevin and Lori are offering. And to basically, you know, in, in his mind, he's getting it thrown back in his face, and I honestly agree. And so, you know what, I would be upset like Robert. And, you know, whereas I think people always take Robert to be this really, really nice guy. And while he is, he's also a very smart guy. But, it, you know, ulti- at the end of the day, you can only push him to so to such a limit, and I think this was just a huge slap in the face for Robert. And you know, he was like, "Dude, are you serious? You you're not going to take this offer? Uh, you want Lori? Do I mean nothing? I'm out." And you know, I, I really felt for Robert in that in that moment. But ultimately, um, he walks away with with um, with going with Kevin and Lori. Uh, with his counter that instead of giving up a third of the company, he only gives up 30%. So all in all, $50,000 for 30% at, at and a $200 loan split between uh, Kevin and Lori. Uh, interesting. Very, very interesting. Um, all in all, I mean, in, t- in tonight's, uh, tonight's Shark Tank, I wasn't 
they weren't the greatest deals made. You know, it was, it was an exciting episode, but it wasn't. Uh, you know, there's there's been so many better ones that I always compare. You know, any Shark Tank episode to those, and so you know, I wasn't fully. Um, you know, it didn't fully excite me, but I did. I did like um, kind of Kevin's notion of that. Now, moving on to uh, product number three, Belly Buzz, which I initially thought was a really fun idea. Um, Steven, are you aware that if you play music to a baby, they will be that much smarter? Um, I'm aware that there's theories behind playing music to babies and things like that and calming them in the womb. Apparently it's proven. Is it really proven? I mean, I mean, are they just saying that, hey, my kid's not an idiot. This music must have worked. No, I don't know. I, I I don't know what the full studies are and things like that, but that's the notion of this. Hmm. Um. So they come in. Oh boy, five hundred thousand for twelve and a half percent. Holy Jesus! Man, they really they really view their their half percents highly, huh? Uh, they view more than a half percent. I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm glad they gave up a half percent. They couldn't go to the full 13, but 12 and a half, they, they were willing to do. They're the people who'd be like, oh, this is a 7.2 on the scale out of 10, you know. Well, the biggest problem is, you know, I mean, you're asking for a lot of money for low equity. And, okay, sales, they're okay, right? So first year, $300,000. Um, second year, three forty. Um, just in, in the couple, uh, I, I think I want to say Q1, right? Um so then the question gets brought up. So what's profit? Uh-oh. Profit is negative. <laughs> so it's not profit then, basically. It's... No. Yeah. It's... Deficit. I mean, yeah, I mean, they, they, you're trying to recuperate something, but you, you're not making any money. And with, uh, they try to explain it that... Um, <coughs> they try to explain it that... Um, you know, they're putting the money back into the company and things like that. And I, I will give them a lot of credit because, you know, the, the, they did go further into it, you know, explain, well, okay, why why is this? And Mark was kind of smart about it and I liked it where, you know, he really dug deep and they said, you know, it's through unfortunate sales. Um, and the, the, the retailers that they had undercut the, the value, the price and things like that. And so their goal was to flush it out of the market. And then they contacted the consumers and told them that they've changed and gave them the whole update and then were able to regain sales. So all in all, I think that was a smart strategy. Um, so even though they may not be profitable yet, um, I, you know, I can't 100% take that away from them. You know, they, they seem like – that seemed like a smart strategy. Um, to sell that basically $50 – um, and it only cost them, you know, just, just shy of $10. I, th- I thought was, um, you know, is it the greatest? Nah, necessarily, but you're also talking about kind of, it's also medical type equipment in the sense that there's an adhesive involved and, and things like that. So, you know, the cost, you know, it works, you know, you're, uh, you're certainly making a profit. So, um, however, they don't have a patent, they have a patent pending. It's been outstanding for three years. So, um, Lori, the queen of obviously QVC, but also patents, says you're not going to get the patent. It's been three years. So you're never going to get it. Um, oh, boy. 
Okay, Stephen. Have you heard of any other products out there like this? I mean, I'm still really not aware of what the product does. I mean, after you you told me kind of the concept, but... Okay, it's basically like headphones for your belly. <laughs> okay, so it's... It's charging fifty dollars for something you put on the child on your pregnant belly, yeah. and it plays music. Yeah, and you get twenty uses out of it. What? Why would you make something with that limited of a nah, obsolescence? I, I don't think that was the biggest, the biggest deterrent. I mean, there's because the, here's the problem, right? There's there's other products out there, and you know, as they try to explain, there's better and things like that. Um, so I do. I I don't think that's too bad of a thing um but as mark mark kind of points out hey we did this with my kids and you know and so and i think robert initially you know they i don't know if they did this just through editing but he seemed very interested in the full thing however as soon as he heard that he was out um and so ultimately everyone was out you know, um, I loved Kevin's joke at the end, though, that when this child is born, he's going to be an accountant. So I thought that was really funny. All right. It's just not wise to go into the Shark Tank asking for so much when you don't really have the business plan laid out. Like, if you're going to ask for $500,000 with a low equity, you really need to be able to back it up and take any question they ask you and be able to put good information behind it. That... And you also need to be somewhat profitable. You know what I mean? Like, here's the thing: you have to, you have to, you have to give a valuation at what the what what it's currently at. You can't just make up numbers based off of oh, in ten years this is where we'll be. Like, that's no, it doesn't work like that. You know, just like an iPhone has a value, but it has a value in a certain time period. The iPhone 5s today has a big value. In four years, it's not going to have as high a value. Why? Because there's going to be newer models. So. Okay. And then the most... Oh, my God. Pet paint. Steven, do you, can you guess as to what paint, paint might be? Pet paint? Pet paint. Let's paint our pets with non-toxic paint and make them look stupid. You are correct. <laughs> Sweet. Um... Oh my lord! I think it's it's sad because when I hear that, I'm like, "That's a terrible idea." But people would definitely buy that. Sadly, mostly I, around Halloween, though, you'd think. And that okay, that was that was one of the biggest problems that Barbara brought up is that it, it's a novelty and things like that. You know, um, pe- so okay, take a step back. He's at Abe is asking for two hundred thousand dollars for twenty percent, which gives him a high valuation. Um, he's invested $240,000 already into it, and, uh, $200,000 of that is inventory. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Are you, is he, is he an idiot? Um, well, here's the, I, you know, I think it's a business that could work. Uh, as Lori is quick to point out, and, uh, th- by the way, this is the second time tonight that has been pointing out to people is you cannot invest in inventory if you don't have sales two hundred thousand dollars in sales for guess what something that costs ten dollars you've sold seventy thousand units of this at ten dollars 
There's no reason why you should have an inventory of of $200,000 worth of this stuff. Not yet. He has a 50-store deal with PetSmart, which is, you know, which is great. Um, and that's ship, you know, that's shipping out. But they've only purchased $12,000 worth. So it's not a lot. Um, by the end of the year, he expects to make $200,000. Um, but it just... You know, terrible. And it's not like milk where this can expire per se. It's not, you know, I don't think it's going to go by the wayside that fast. But still, it's just bad practice to have that much inventory. Um, he's A lot of his money is made in groomers, which, by the way, I, I thought was brilliant because this is where... You know, it's like selling shampoo at a hair salon and things like that. Like, you know, if you're already there, this is where you're going to take the re- recommendation of whoever, and this is how it's going to get sold and things like that. And they're the p- right people to apply this stuff onto, you know, a pet. So would you disagree or agree, Stephen? Oh, I completely agree. Groomers are the only place where it's really not unfeasible to have this kind of thing. But at the same time, I feel like there would be other products that the groomers would use to dye the pet's hair. Because, I mean, people have pets with blue hair and things like that because people are crazy. But, like, I don't know. I mean, I feel like it'd be more of a formula, formulaic thing as, as opposed to a product that you would put on shelves. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, um, Barbara's out because she says, I don't, I don't think I can make money in this. Um, are you familiar with the Phoenicians? Are you asking me? Yes. Um, I'm gonna sounds take... familiar, but I'm not quite okay. sure. Uh, Kevin told a great story of the Phoenicians. And <laughs> whenever Kevin tells a story, I love how Rob is the first one to be like, okay, what's your point? I actually thought this was a good story and ultimately and a good analogy for what Abe was. And Abe, as we come to learn, is not a Phoenician because this is not proprietary. But he didn't pronounce. He pronounced it right, right? It's not Persephone, and no. Okay, he pronounced it correct. Good. Uh, Lori was certainly laughing. She was like, "Did you just make that up?" <laughs> no, he did not. Um, Mark then asks, "How much are you doing online?" He says, "I'm not doing much. I'm doing much online." This is where Mark gets really upset. Um, not because he's not doing it, but because he didn't see it. That social marketing for this could be through the roof. Are you familiar with the hashtag dogs of Instagram? Steven? I am not. Dogs of Instagram, huge hashtag among other, you know, dog hashtags. And Mark says, this is, you know, this is how you could get the word of mouth out there. It's so simple and so easy. The fact that you don't see it is baffling, and that's why I can't be in business with you. So, um, Barbara's out, Lori's out, Mark's out. And I thought, you know, they kept saying it that, uh, you know, that that it wasn't smart for him to not have done social media and things like that. They kept hitting that point, which, as he says later on, I'll see you on the Internet. So ultimately, he walked, you know, skipping to the end, he didn't get a deal, but he walked away with great knowledge. Going back, um, Robert doesn't really know what to do. And I think he's intrigued by the idea. You know, uh, I think Robert is very much a animal lover and things like that. And so for him, uh, he, you know, he could find something to do with this product. Um, he want he he wanted to want to believe it, but I don't think he believed it just yet. Um, so then Barbara's in. 
uh, even though she was, quote, out. Um, and I thought, I thought her offer was actually really good. $200,000 for 60% of the company. Woo. Well, let me tell you this, Stephen. She basically offered, hey, let me take over and you just make money. What are your thoughts on that? If it's Barbara, I'd take that in a heartbeat. I mean, yeah, I mean that's that's, I mean that's a good deal because if she really just wants to do everything, then if it isn't successful, then somebody who's in a better position to make it successful than you failed at it, and it's not your fault. And if it is successful, you have nothing but nothing but anything to gain. I hundred percent. You know, I mean, ultimately. I mean, that's what people make businesses for. They usually make their business, get it to a point where it is fairly successful, and they'll either take it to the next level on their own or they sell the business off. I mean, that's what we saw with Facebook. That's what we see with a lot of things. So that's just a very early offer and still keeping giving you 40% of the ownership rights of the company. That's That's a good deal. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, again, while 40% equity for Abe is way less than he was hoping for. If you're making a ton of money, 40% is way better than 100% if you're making $10. Well, it's also just time management. If you have if you're spending 80 hours a week on a company that's not making much and you have 100% of the equity, but then you go down to 40% of the equity, give the time management to somebody else, they have to deal with everything. You're still make you're still taking in money. And then you can focus on the next thing that you want to work on. You can get another job. You can do whatever the hell you want. It's Yeah. I mean, I think while obviously the equity wasn't great, I thought, I thought it was actually a really good offer. Rob pulled out because he said, you know what? I want you to just focus on her. I don't know what I want to do. So you know what? You do your thing. Focus on her offer. And Abe declined. And I, I don't know. I thought I thought that was a dumb move. I really did. And we're still on dog paint, right? Pet paint. Yeah. So, yeah, that was a dumb move. Because um, the only way he's getting it out there is with somebody's connections. Yeah. I mean, okay, so we got a quick update from the sound bender, which I, I, I remember. Not only have I, not only do I remember the Shark Tank episode, I see these things everywhere. Um, and, you know,. Typical Damon goes after a licensing deal, and and he's got, he's with Marvel, and every year they guarantee two million dollars in sales. That's guaranteed. That means it could be more, but it cannot be less than, which is amazing. Um, you know, so good. I mean, you know, great little piece of technology. It's not really technology, but great little uh, gadget, whatever you want to call it. So I thought that was, you know, that was really smart. Um, before we move on to predictions, you know, I, I thought, uh, one of the things that I want to incorporate more and more of as we do Shark Tank is kind of just thought, you know, just real, uh, you know, I might do lessons on business every, you know, like a f- special segment type of deal. Um, I thought, uh, for those of you living under a cave, I figured this week I'd kind of share about Twitter going public. Um, you know, obviously that was the big news last week. Um, we'll see how it kind of holds up in uh, IPO. You know, we started at around I think it was twenty four dollars within the first couple hours and things like that. It moved up to sixty. Um, you know, now it's it's kind of been fluctuating things like that and steadily off. Um, 
also there's a there's a company called F L I T E Flight um that if if you're a business owner they are they have I guess an app or it's a website of sorts where you go and you can create HTML5 ads very easily um so if you know obviously that's a great way to get your ad, you know if you're wondering how to make ads for the internet that's a great useful tool um, so I'm going to try to bring in more of that stuff, and we'll kind of discuss it with my co-host and things like that. So, you know, look forward to that every week. Uh, let's move on to predictions. And now, you're after Buzz TV. Predictions. All right. I'm just going to, you know, this time I was actually able to write some of the quotes, and um, they include, you're dead, um, our sales are none. You should go out of business. If you like the concept, um, we can make a good offer. Um, and then Rob says, I made you a good offer. So, <clears throat> obviously, we don't know what the heck the products are. We see um, two women. I love how, I love whenever they, they use shots of just um, bafflement. Yeah, and this week they used uh, the two girls or women, whatever. Um, and, and the camera's kind of zooming in on them and their eyes just all bugging out of what is going on. And so I always like those. Um, so yeah, that's, that's all I can re- kind of really predict. I mean, there's, there's nothing more. There's no, it's not like I can say whether or not I like the product or I look, looking forward to the product because I can't say because I don't know. Um, anyway, thank you guys for joining me this week and Stephen Lemieux. Um, we'll certainly be back next week. I'm looking forward to a more fuller panel for a more livelier discussion. But thank you, Stephen, for chiming in every now and then as an unbiased opinion, uh, having not seen the episode. Uh, fans, definitely follow us here at AfterBuzz TV on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that fun stuff. Stephen, where can they follow you? Uh, they can follow me here on the Sleepy Hollow After Show or at Stephen Lemieux. All right. And uh, we'll see you next week. From executive producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.